What's going on, everybody? I'm your host, Anthony. You're listening to This Week in Sports. And coming up on this episode, we were a bit light on the sports as we had Christmas this past week. So not too much to talk about, but we have the college football playoff, which gets kicked off tomorrow, those two games, four and eight. We have three Clemson players get suspended for a substance called Osterin, which I talk a little bit about. We had a slew of NBA games on Christmas Day. LeBron James was knocked out of that game on Christmas evening against the Warriors with a groin injury. I'll talk about that. He was also named male AP Male Athlete of the Year. I'll give you my takes on that. We had a few trades in Major League Baseball take place. All that and much more. Stay tuned. Next hour. Catch it all right here. Let's go. You're listening to This Week in Sports. Good evening, everybody. It is Friday, December 28th, 2018. This is going to be our final show for the 2018 calendar year. I will see you guys in the new year. So I hope everybody has a happy new year. I hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, I'm sorry, but I do. So I'm going to say Merry Christmas to all of those listening. I hope you enjoyed the holidays, ate some good food, you know, hung out with some family that you haven't seen for a while, quite some time. All right, we're going to get into things, and this is probably going to be a wrap-up show, you know, qu- not quite as long as my normal episodes. I'm currently on vacation in South Carolina in the Myrtle Beach area, and I am recording this episode quite late. It's almost 10 p.m., Here on the East Coast, I was at the Beach Ball Classic earlier today, so I did not get a chance to record this episode a bit earlier, so I apologize for those of you that have been waiting for the episode for most of the day, but the Beach Ball Classic is a high school basketball tournament. It's a big deal here in Myrtle Beach at the convention center, a lot of big-time talent that plays in this tournament. Zion Williamson was here last year, although he did not play in it. This was my first time attending And there were some big name guys, guys going to Duke, you know, Iowa, just a bunch of games all day long, just a tournament. And uh, it's a good time. So I was there checking out those guys and watching some of those games. We're going to start things off, kick it off here with the start of this show and talk about college football. There's been a slew of bowl games going on, including today. And of course, we have the college football playoff, which gets underway starting tomorrow. I'll get into that in a second. But the big news is three Clemson players, including star defensive lineman Dexter Lawrence, failed a mandated NCAA drug test last week. Okay. So, what this means is Dexter Lawrence, offensive lineman Zach Giella, and tight end Braden Galloway. Those uh, latter two guys are backups, but the big one being starter Dexter Lawrence, one of the top players in the country at his position. They tried to appeal these tests, but they were upheld. Now, they tested positive for a drug called Osterin. Now, I looked this up a little bit. And it's it, it's a, it's an interesting drug. It's kind of like an a- anabolic steroid, but it doesn't give you um, that muscle waste thing. 
per se. And if you'd like to know more, you could just do a quick Google search on it. I don't have too much time to spend on the drug itself. But yeah, that's the drug. It's called Osterin, O-S-T-A-R-I-N. And it is on the banned substance list. So they are ineligible to play tomorrow in the college football playoff. And that's quite that's quite the news because, um, yeah, this we're down to the nitty-gritty here. This is the final four, and you want your best players out there. So it's a big blow to the uh, Clemson Tigers um, in their matchup against uh, Notre Dame. So to segue off of that, Alabama will be down three players as well, not for any type of drug infraction or positive drug test, but they will be missing their game in the Orange Bowl against Oklahoma. According to Nick Saban, this was due to a violation of team rules. So this is impactful in the sense that it's going to be one starter and two backup players once again. So starting left guard Deontay Brown is going to miss this game. The other two were an offensive lineman, Elliot Baker, and tight end Kedrick James. Okay, they didn't even make the trip to Florida for for the uh, for the Orange Bowl. Okay, now here's the weird news. It's not so much weird. It's just head scratching and perplexing, and that is the news that Justin Herbert, the quarterback from Oregon, is returning for his senior season. And I just have to say, I am perplexed. I am confused. I just don't get it. I am completely baffled by this decision. I do not know who is helping him make this decision. If the coaches at Oregon swayed him to come back, I'm not quite sure. But Herbert isn't even that good. And he is projected to be possibly the number one overall pick in April's draft. There are a slew of teams that need quarterbacks at the top of the draft. You have the Raiders. They are a possible destination, although they have Derek Carr. You're not really sure what John Gruden is going to do there yet. You've got just teams like the Jaguars, the New York football giants. What are they going to do? There are really a bunch of teams, and Herbert is looked at or looked upon by many as the number one quarterback prospect. And he is a surefire first-round pick. Even if he were to slide a little bit, Dwayne Haskins maybe gaining some momentum as we get closer to April with his performances. But it's really just, it's very perplexing because this is one of those situations where you take the money and run. Now, Herbert, really, he hasn't impressed me. I've watched him this year, and I just don't see much. But it's such a depleted quarterback draft class that he was looked upon as that number one guy. And because of the desperation of some of these teams that I just mentioned in the NFL that need a quarterback, there was going to be teams that took a shot on this kid very high in the first round. And he would have got paid uh, very handsomely. And I just can't imagine that he would. This is this has got shades of Matt Barkley all over it. Matt Barkley was going to come out of USC as a junior and was going to be a surefire number one pick and possibly the number one overall pick. But he went back for his senior year, did not play well, and then he slid to I believe the third round of the draft to the went to the Eagles as a third string backup and never really amounted to anything in the NFL. 
and that's what Herbert's going to do. Herbert reminds me of a Blaine Gabbert type. Now, Blaine Gabbert was drafted by the Jaguars. He was a top 15 pick, first round pick, but he wasn't really good, never amounted to anything, and now he's been a career backup. This is Herbert in a sh- in a nutshell. This is what he is. He's not going to be anything, in my opinion. Now, I'm just one guy. One guy's opinion could mean nothing. There are scouts out there. They're the experts. They're the ones that do this for a living. But it never pays to go back for that last year when you are projected top 10, top five, possibly number one type material. So I just can't get, I can't get behind this. I don't agree with it. And it's going to be the wrong decision. I'm telling you right now. All right. So that pretty much wraps up college football, except for we do have two games tomorrow, college football playoff. We have started off with the Cotton Bowl. That's Clemson, Notre Dame at four. And then the Orange Bowl between Bama and Oklahoma, that's at eight. And I must say today we had history was made. Auburn set a bowl record most points in a single half in in a bowl in the history of college football. They scored 56 points against Purdue today, and they ended up going on to win this game 63-14. to So congratulations to the Auburn Tigers there. All right, we're going to swing this thing on over and talk baseball. Friday, right as I was finishing up the podcast, episode 31, there was a monumentous, colossal blockbuster trade that took place in Major League Baseball. And if you were hiding under a rock, you might have missed this. But to all of those that aren't under rocks, you would have seen the trade between the Dodgers and the Reds. It was stunning. It was jaw-dropping. And it was heard Around the baseball world. And the trade I'm talking about is the Dodgers sent, they traded away Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, and Alex Wood, all awesome players that really had a huge impact on the Dodgers this past season and helped them get to their second straight World Series. Okay, they traded them to the Cincinnati Reds for Homer Bailey, who's a starting pitcher minor league infielder Jeter Downs, and minor league right-handed pitcher Josiah Gray. Um, There was a catcher and infielder Kyle Farmer of the Dodgers who was also sent to the Reds with cash considerations in the amount of $7 million. This was 100% a salary dump for the Dodgers. They were 100% trying to clear the way for a big-time superstar talent, and that talent is none other than Bryce Harper. They, we, they already had Manny Machado on a rental deal for the postseason. Now he has cho- his choice between the White Sox, the Phillies, and the Yankees, so he's out of the picture. The only other player that could possibly be in for the Dodgers would be a Bryce Harper. So this was a salary dump. They're trying to put their chips in one spot so that they can sign a Bryce Harper for maybe that 10-year max contract that he's possibly looking for. And things get even more heated because Bryce Harper liked an Instagram post by Major League Baseball that toyed with the idea of Bryce Harper now going to the Dodgers with them trading away these key pieces. So that is something to keep in mind. 
Now, also on Friday, in the middle of my podcast, I missed this, CeCe Sabathia underwent heart surgery. So he started to notice a little bit of chest pain and increased sweating after workouts. For most 38-year-olds, you would chalk that up to old age, right? But CC, no, he's a Major League Baseball pitcher. He knows his body. He, he got doctors. He went to the doctors. They checked it out, and it turned out that he had a blocked artery, and they had to perform angioplasty. He is expected to make a full recovery, and he will be ready to go for spring training. We all know the Yankees brought him back on a one-year deal, so uh, that's something to keep in mind there. We had the Mariners. They made another off-season trade, this time for Brewers outfielder Domingo, Domingo Santana. Ben Gamble and right-handed pitcher Noah Zavalos are the two players headed back to Milwaukee in this trade. Now, something to keep in mind about Santana, I think he's just 26 years old. He had a a poor 2018 season, but in 2017, he really flashed some of that power, stroking 30 long balls, so 30 home runs in 2017. And yes, he's just 26 years old, and to rebuild on a team like the Mariners, it's not a bad idea to take a flyer on a guy like Santana and hope he can replicate that 2017 season. And for Jerry Depoto, this has been a busy offseason. Now seven moves, different moves that he has made. Mostly they've been selling guys away. Okay, so I just talked about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. The two of them are starting to sour on the Philadelphia Phillies. So it looks like I figured it. Uh, you know, they were really an outsider's. They had an outsider shot at landing either of these two guys. Um, and it looks like that's going to come to fruition as neither really likes the idea of playing with the Phillies. You have Bryce Harper now linked to the Dodgers. And for uh, Manny Machado, it seems that there are reports that he was most enthusiastic after his visit with the New York Yankees, making uh, many to believe that he will be signing with the Yankees. Although, keep in mind, neither guy has signed with a team yet. So they are still open to the public and everybody can dream. Nelson Cruz, the former Seattle Mariner, he signed a one-year $14.3 million deal with the Minnesota Twins. This is going to be some big veteran DH help for the Twins as they start their rebuild. Joe Maurer recently retired. Something to know about um, Nelson Cruz, he is just a home run machine, averaging 40 bombs over the past five seasons He had somewhat of a down year last year, but still managed 37 home runs, and he's going to help the Twins offense, I think. So there you have it. That was your MLB news headlines right there. Not too painful. And we'll swing things on over now to the NBA. We had a bunch of games on Christmas Day. That's always really fun to watch. And we start with the Milwaukee Bucks getting an easy Christmas win to open things up at that game was at 12 noon. I really didn't watch much of that as I had to, you know, open presents, get ready, go down to my aunt's house. So if you missed this one, I'll recap it. Giannis dominated. They end up going on to win this one 109 to 95. Really no surprise. Dicks were not going to win this game. They're really not a good basketball team. Giannis had 30 points. And at one point in this game, the... Bucks 
missed 17 straight three-pointers, and Giannis had uh, 11 points in the third quarter. They built a 16-point lead, but think about that for a second. They missed 17 straight three-pointers, and the Knicks still got destroyed. That's saying something. So yeah, they win this one um, by a score of 109 to 95. Then you had the second game. You had James Harden. He helped the Rockets come back and beat the Thunder 113 to 109. This was a really good game. Harden scored his seventh 40-point game of the season. He had 41 in this one to go along with seven assists, seven assists and six rebounds. And they just acquired Austin Rivers. He came up quite nicely off the bench, tallying uh, 10 points and two rebounds. And then Clint Capella, my God, was he a beast in the paint. He had 16 points and a whopping 23 rebounds. That's right, 23 rebounds. Next up was the Sixers and Boston Celtics. This was a really fun one to watch. This one went to double overtime, and Kyrie Irving, is he clutch or what? I mean, Kyrie Irving comes up big every time at the end of games, and no different in this one. Although Embiid and uh, Jimmy Butler had big games, Kyrie Irving totaled 40 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 assists while shooting 17 for 33 and 5 of 10 from 3. They won that one over the Sixers in double overtime, 121 to 114. And then we had the later game between the, which I thought was going to be the best game of the evening on Christmas Day. That would be LeBron James and the Lakers facing off against Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and the Golden State Warriors. And unfortunately, this really wasn't a good game. The Lakers pretty much took it to the Golden State Warriors in this one by a final of 127 to 101. However, the big headline here, the biggest news of probably this entire episode would be LeBron James going out in the third quarter with a groin injury. It was later confirmed via MRI that he has a groin strain. It looks like it's it, it's not too bad, but remember, Steph Curry dealt with a groin injury earlier this season, and he was forced to miss 11 games. So we'll have to keep that in mind when we look at LeBron James. They're listing him as day-to-day, but tough blow for the Lakers. They they managed to hold on to this one and big victory over the Warriors. And as for LeBron and this injury, last season he played in all 82 games, first time in his career, I believe. And so far this season, he had played in every single game. So he seemingly is getting healthier with age, although this is a minor setback uh, for a major comeback. Let's We'll see. Okay. Now, The ratings report came back for Christmas Day, and the numbers were really impressive, really huge. It was the highest ratings on Christmas ever, which I'm quite surprised by. And I I guess you could attribute this to LeBron is now in the Lakers facing off against the Warriors. That was a big game. We had a lot of really, really good matchups. So the Lakers-Warriors game registered a 6.5 metered market rating between both ESPN and ABC. That was a whopping 97% increase compared to last year, making it the fourth highest rated Christmas NBA game ever. Quite, quite impressive. The Celtics 76ers game drew 27% more viewers than the game in that slot last season. And the Blazers-Jazz, I really didn't mention that game. Uh, The Jazz went on to win that. But the Blazers 
Jazz. That was the night game at 10.30. That picked up even 36% more viewers than 2017's late game. So very impressive. Now, something cool happened on Wednesday, just the other day. So Derek Rose is now on the Timberwolves, and he's having himself quite a nice season. And he was playing back in Chicago, where he played for the beginning of his career, won an MVP there. And late in this game, I want to say it was the third or fourth quarter, with Minnesota leading 100-80, to Derek Rose was in starting in place of Jeff Teague, who was sidelined by injury, and he was at the free throw line, and that's when this happened. Take a listen. Cool moment. United Center Channing's MVP. <laughs> MVP First free throw for Derek. I think that was a smile, too. So, yeah, cool moment there. The Chicago fans, they really don't have much to cheer about this season. They fired their coach, and they're just in a tailspin right now but yeah Channing MVP for Derrick Rose who had a solid game in this one 24 points and eight assists and Carl Anthony Towns also helped Minnesota going for 20 points and 20 rebounds and the final was Minnesota 119 Chicago 94. Next up, we got to talk about Luka Doncic, the young rookie third overall pick for the Dallas Mavericks might have been the steal of the draft. Mark Cuban, those guys did a very, very good job. So Doncic was so close to his first career triple-double, he came within one rebound shy in a 122-119 win over the Pelicans. He led Dallas with 21 points, 10 assists, and 9 rebounds. And the cool thing about this was, had he picked up just that one more rebound, he would have become the youngest player in NBA history to record a triple-double at just 19 years 301 days old. Markel Fultz actually last year notched a late season triple double at 19 years, 317 days old. So Doncic has about 15 more days to accomplish that feat to break that all time record. And then last but not least, uh, two more points here. So LeBron James was named AP Male Athlete of the Year by the Associated Press. This is his third time winning the award. I beg to differ. I disagree with this completely, but I'll just tell you why they gave it to him. They called it his most significant year, even without winning a championship. He opened, uh, obviously, the I Promise School in Akron for um, at-risk uh, children, which, you know, that was that was very cool of him there. So that's that played a huge part in it. He obviously left the Cavaliers to join the Lakers. And he's been having a very good season. So he received 78 points on the ballots given to U.S. editors and news directors. And in second place was Mookie Betts of the World Series champion Boston Red Sox. He had 46 points. I disagree with this because LeBron didn't win a championship. He got swept in in four games. And I just I think it should have gone to a guy like Mookie Betts who won a World Series and had a huge impact on his baseball team. That's all. And on the flip side for the women, Serena Williams, she won it. She was named AP Female Athlete of the Year, her fifth time winning that. And keeping up with the Lakers real quick, they lose not only LeBron James to injury, but they have now lost Rajon Rondo. So little injury history for Rondo. He hasn't played much this season. He broke his right hand in November and missed 17 games. 
He returned recently, but only managed three games before spraining his finger, and now he's going to undergo surgery on his injured right hand, and this will sideline him for at least a month. Okay, so that's going to do it for our NBA action, and we're up to our just about final spot, and that would be NFL, our latest NFL segment here. And we start off with, I mentioned a guy Matt named Matt Barkley earlier on the show, and it's quite funny that we start the NFL segment talking about Matt Barkley, but here it is. The Bills signed him to a two-year extension, and I'm kind of scratching my head here because Matt Barkley was signed in week just prior to week 10 and made that one emergency start while Josh Allen and Derek Anderson were hurt. And yeah, he lit up the scoreboard 41 to 10 on the road at the Jets in week 10 there. But that's all he's done all season long. And yet the Bills think that's enough to re-sign him. And he, they're re-signing him as a backup, let's face it. So yeah. Next up, Adrian Peterson just continues to defy the running back position. He had 119 total yards rushing on 26 carries, I believe on Saturday, in Saturday's loss to the Titans. Now, why was that significant? Because that helped Adrian Peterson get past the 1,000-yard mark for the season, meaning he has now become the oldest running back since 1984 when John Riggins did it. Frank Gore did so in 2016 at 33, but Adrian Peterson is three months older than Frank Gore was at that time. So very, very impressive for Adrian Peterson. And speaking of that game with the Titans, the Titans got a much-needed victory to get to 9-6 and and keep their playoff hopes alive. They won that game 25-16, and now they play the Colts, who are also 9-6, in a winner-take-all game for that final sixth spot in the AFC playoffs. But here's the problem. Marcus Mariota is injured. He was hurt midway through that victory on Saturday, and Blaine Gabbert had to come in. He's been injured before this season, and he spoke about it saying that he felt that sort of numbness again, and it's a nerve injury. So when you have something like a nerve, it's, you you know, you you can't put a timetable, a time frame on it. You just never know when it's going to heal up and be right, but he is going to try to give it a go. A weird one here with LaShawn McCoy. Last weekend, um, he didn't start this game, and this was a, due to a private reason, The move stemmed from some sort of private matter, and McCoy was clearly, yeah, he he clearly uh, was not on in the good graces of Sean McDermott because the team ran the ball only 18 times, but McCoy received just six of those carries. And he spoke about it after the game, and he said, you know, he's got to do better as a team captain. He told, you know, he basically admitted wrongdoing and such, and I think he's. He might have one more year left in his five-year, like, $40 million deal that he signed with the Bills. So uh, we'll see. Next up, we got to talk about the Saints. They got a big win against the Steelers and clinched the number one seed. So they will get home field throughout the playoffs and that first round bye. And playing at the Superdome for the Saints is a real big advantage for them. They beat the uh, Steelers 31-28. It was a nice comeback victory. And the loss for the Steelers 
almost ends their season. I'll get to that in a second. So the Saints were losing this game, but they ended up coming back, scored Michael Thomas, uh, Drew Brees to Michael Thomas with 125 remaining. And the Steelers, they had a chance, got the ball to about the 42-yard line when Juju Smith-Schuster fumbled the ball and ended that game for the for the Steelers, excuse me. And it's tough now because for the Steelers, they almost uh, need a miracle because of that. If you go back all the way to week one, when they tied with the Cleveland Browns, who would have thought that that tie in week one would come back to haunt them, come back to bite them in the butt. But because the Steelers tied Baltimore the Baltimore Ravens are now ahead of them in the standings for the division. And at 8-6-1, both the Titans and the Colts are ahead of the Steelers for the final wildcard spot. So the only scenario in which the Steelers will make the playoffs is if they beat the Bengals and then the Browns have to beat the Ravens so that the Steelers can win their division. So they need a lot to go in their favor and it doesn't look promising for them. Okay, the Seahawks, they got a nice win on Sunday Night Football. I was wrong with that pick, and this is interesting because I thought that the Chiefs would win this by 2.5. They were getting 2.5 there, and surprisingly, the Seahawks did what the Seahawks do, and they dominated at home, and they got the win 38-31. to And now, this is interesting because as dominant as the Chiefs are, they're no shoo-in for the number one spot now. They have to win this week against the Raiders, which they probably will, and they'll get that first round bye. But this is now three primetime games for Patrick Mahomes against the Patriots, a loss, against the Rams on Monday Night Football in a shootout, another loss, and now against Seattle on Sunday Night Football, another loss. So every big game so far for the Chiefs, they have lost. And ever since they lost star running back Kareem Hunt, this has not been the same team. Tyreek Hill has been banged up with injury, but they're not getting him the ball downfield like they were all season long. And Travis Kelsey hasn't been really doing much. So it's very interesting. They've shown a lot of chinks in the armor. And this looks is starting to look like a typical Andy Reid offense, gimmicky Um Teams are picking up on it now, and it's not working like it used to. So we'll see if they can sustain any momentum headed to the playoffs, maybe dominate like they once did in the beginning of the season, but it's not looking too good for them. Uh, Let's see. Yes, and for the Seahawks, honestly, this was a very good win. This clinched a playoff spot for them, the fifth seed, the wild card spot. Um, Really, really good at home are the Seahawks. That 12th man, probably the toughest place to play in the NFL. Their running game is dominant. Russell Wilson is great. And yeah, they're they're showing like they could be a team that could upset somebody in the playoffs. I could see them upsetting a team like Chicago, you know, somebody like that. But anyway, um, with this victory, they decided to extend their head coach, Pete Carroll, who is already the oldest coach in the NFL, but they extended him through 2021. He will, he'll be 70 years old if he makes it to the end of that contract. So that's quite impressive. And he is the all-time wins leader in franchise history with a total mark of 88 wins, 54 losses, and one tie. And he led them to the playoffs in seven out of his nine seasons there. And then he went to the Super Bowl in 2014 
and 2015, uh, 2013 and 14, excuse me, uh, in which he got one Super Bowl win there and one loss, and that Super Bowl came in 2014. Okay, next up, DJ Swearinger. He's been critical of, I think, the fan base and pretty much the coaching staff for most of the season, but he was especially critical after that loss to the Titans, which ended their play, their slim playoff chances. And the Redskins coaching staff took exception and they decided to cut him. Um, he was having a really good season as a uh, safety. He was elected as a Pro Bowl alternate. And the Arizona Cardinals, one of his former teams, they decided to take a flyer on him and sign him. So he wasn't a free agent for very long. They picked him up off waivers. Now, another interesting one here we got to talk about is Monday Night Football, which took place on Christmas Eve, okay? And that was the Raiders hosting the Denver Broncos. And on paper, you would think the Broncos are going to dominate the Oakland Raiders. But no, the Raiders, they made a statement in what could be their final game at the Coliseum. I spoke about that last week. They... They really did. They dominated this one. They opened uh, this game. Uh, final was 27-14. They were up 17-0 at one point. Dwayne Harris had an unbelievable 99-yard punt return touchdown. The Broncos were downing it at the 1, and Dwayne Harris was like, I'll take this. He picks it up at the 1, runs around into his end zone, almost gets tripped up there, but manages to get around the sideline and take it to the house, and it was really impressive. And Case Keenum didn't help the Broncos' case with uh, two fourth-quarter interceptions. The Packers, they have a head coaching vacancy on the horizon, and they have interviewed so far two former Indianapolis Colts head coaches. Those would be Chuck Pagano and Jim Caldwell, who were both interviewed earlier this week. Now, they're not currently employed, either of those guys, by any NFL team currently, which is why the Packers are able to interview them during the season. Bengals linebacker Vontez Perfect, he suffered his seventh career concussion on Sunday against the Browns. This was his second in a month and his third this season. And this one could really seriously put his career in jeopardy. And then uh, I spoke about it, I believe, last episode about how Monday Night Football is bringing back their trio of hosts in Joe Tessitore, Jason Witten, and Booger McFarlane. And this could be why, because they announced their Monday Night Football ratings and they have increased by quite a lot, up 8% from last year averaging 11.6 million viewers per game. That's pretty damn good, if you ask me. And they had some big games. Rams-Chiefs was a huge game shootout. Unbelievable game to watch as a fan. And then you also had the big Drew Brees moment on Monday Night Football where he broke the passing record. So those two things could have uh, helped the ratings as well. They certainly didn't hurt. So uh, Chris Boswell, the kicker for the Steelers, his rough season has come to an end. The Steelers finally placed him on IR. He had missed seven field goals and five PATs this season, which was surprising because he had been quite reliable in seasons past. And uh, they, the Steelers, they went and signed Matt McCrane, who was five of nine on field goals this season, I think, for the Oakland Raiders. 
And it's been quite a disappointing season for the New York Giants and especially Odell Beckham Jr., who signed the most lucrative deal in history at the wide receiver position. He's going to miss his fourth straight game, and this will end his season due to that quad injury. Um, He did manage to hit... 1,000 yards receiving for the season to go along with six touchdowns. So really not a terrible year in just 12 games. It is his fourth 1,000-yard receiving season out of five years in the NFL for the 25-year-old. And then this is going to be a cool moment on Sunday for Teddy Bridgewater. He will make his first start. I mentioned that the Saints already clinched the number one spot, so they're going to rest Drew Brees and give uh, Teddy Bridgewater the start. Really his his first big action since 2016 when he broke his leg there. And this is big for him because he's a free agent to be. So this gives him... uh, a chance to showcase his talents because next year he almost certainly will get a chance to compete for a starting position on one of these teams that needs a quarterback. Okay, Todd Gurley, he's been ruled out for Sunday. They ruled him out, I think, earlier today. So the next time we see Todd Gurley, it will be in the playoffs. The Rams are, in fact, still playing for that number two seed, so they do need to get a win this weekend. Uh, They need a win over the 49ers to secure that. They should be okay in that department. C.J. Anderson will fill in again for Todd Gurley, and he did a phenomenal, phenomenal job a week ago. He rushed for, wait for it, 167 yards last week in that win over the Arizona Cardinals, and I think I read 105 yards rushing after contact, which was more than Todd Gurley has ever had in a single season or in a single game in his career. So that was just one of those weird fluky fluky games. Unbelievable there. And then I've got it, I've got to shout out Zach Ertz, my man Zach Ertz, tight end, one of the best in the game for the Eagles. He passed Jason Witten for the most receptions by a tight end in a single season. So very cool there. And now it's time we will go over and recap real quick week 16 games so we had a disappointing game for my new york jets they had a 15 point lead in the fourth quarter and what do you know todd bowles became mr conservative todd bowles and the jets blew the lead went to overtime aaron Rodgers got the ball never gave it up the jets had like something like 16 freaking penalties just a disaster and a half just sums up the jet season oh and to make matters even worse Eric Tomlinson, one of their tight ends, he dropped a weight on his foot, I think, yesterday and is having season-ending surgery. So if that doesn't sum up the season for the Jets, I don't know what does. But um, and speaking on the Jets, they, they did go ahead today and re-signed uh, wide receiver Quincy Anunwa to a four-year, $36 million contract extension. He's emerged really quite nicely as one of their top go-to wide receivers. So get Sam Darnold, one of their best receivers, back next year, although he has been injured and he will not suit up and play in the final game this season for the Jets, and neither will Jermaine Curse. Check check the uh, the games before they start. I know fantasy football championships are officially over, but um, there's a lot last week of the season, guys resting for playoffs, a lot of guys um, taking it easy and not suiting up in Week 17. 
So we had the Jets and Packers. It was a very high-scoring game. Packers won this one 44-38 in overtime. And quick quick thing on Sam Darnold, I read somewhere that he became the youngest quarterback ever to throw for at least 300 yards and three touchdowns or more in a game. So that's really cool. He looks to have gotten much, much better over the last three or so weeks, and it's really a good improvement um, headed into the offseason for him. Okay, so next we had the Ravens. They they beat up on the Chargers 22 to 10. Yeah, that was that was a wild one on Saturday. I did not see that one coming at all. You had the Browns beat the Bengals 26 to 18. The Cowboys beat the Buccaneers to win the NFC East 27 to 20. The Vikings won 27 to 9 over the Lions. The Colts were losing the entire game against the Giants and they came back and won this one 28-27. Huge victory for them cuz like I said, matchup against the Titans on Sunday night football, winner makes the playoffs. Next up, we had the Jaguars. They got a surprising victory over the Dolphins 17 to 7. You had the Patriots beating the Bills by 12, 24 to 12. I called that one. I had the Bills covering that that there. Then you had the Eagles and the Texans. Eagles squeaked this one out 32 to 30. Mr. Nick Foles continues to get it done. Next, you had the Falcons over the Panthers 24 to 10. The Rams beat up on the Cardinals 31 to 9, the Bears 14, 49ers 9, and I mentioned the Saints and Steelers game that was 31-28 Saints. You had the Seahawks 38, Chiefs 31, and of course the Raiders beat the Broncos on Christmas 20 Christmas Eve 27 to 24. Okay. So that recaps week 16. Here we go with week 17 picks. All right, here we have it. My New York Jets are on the road at New England Patriots, and they are minus 14. Wow, 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 wow. 14 and a half point spread. Because I'm in South Carolina, I will not be able to bet on this game. But please, for the sake of God, bet on the Jets at plus 14 and a half. The Patriots are not going to beat the Jets by 14 and a half as much as. I have hated on my Jets this season and how bad they have been. They have been better of late. And more than two touchdowns is a lot to ask for, okay? The Patriots are not that good. I get it. They're playing for that number two seed, and they will win this game. I just don't see them winning by 14 and a half, so I'd be all over that. Next up, you have the Bills and hosting the Dolphins. Buffalo is is favored by five and a half here. And this is one of those divisional games. I expect this one to be a lot closer. Miami kind of got embarrassed a week ago by the Vikings. So I will take the Dolphins at plus five and a half. Next up, you have the Lions on the road at the Packers. This is another divisional game. Green Bay favored by nine. I'll take the Lions here at plus nine. And then you have the Saints and the Panthers. Listen, Teddy Bridgewater starting. The Saints are favored by seven and a half. The Panthers have lost, I believe, seven straight games. Something has to give. I think this is the one that the Panthers, if they don't win, they at least lose by a field goal, no less than a field, no more than a field goal. So I like the Panthers at plus seven and a half. Next up, you have the Giants hosting the Cowboys. No Odell Beckham. The Giants are, this can't be serious. The Giants are favored by five and a half points. 
I, I can't believe this for a second. If that's the case, this becomes the easiest bet of the season. How are the Giants favored by five and a half? Okay, yeah, um, I'm actually quite upset that I cannot bet on this game right now because that's blasphemous in the words of Stephen A. Smith that the Cowboys would be five and a half on the road at the Giants in a divisional game. These games are always close. Okay, next up you have the Buccaneers against the Falcons, hosting the Falcons. This is another divisional game. This one's even right now. The Falcons, they they dominated a week ago. They look really good. Uh, Buccaneers are quite a mess all over the place, so I will take the Falcons straight up in this one. And next up, you have the Texans hosting the Jags. The Jags got a surprising victory a week ago, but the Texans, they're another team at sitting at 10-5. and five. They're playing for that number two seed still as well, so they're hoping that the Patriots lose and they could squeak in as the two seed. So I do like Houston minus seven in this one. Next up, you have the Chargers on the road in Denver against the Broncos. These are typically close, but the Chargers just got embarrassed against the Ravens and put up 10 points, so I look for them to bounce back nicely, and the Broncos seem to be going in the wrong direction, so I like the Chargers by 7 on the road. Next up, you have the Chiefs, minus 14.5, hosting the Raiders, and listen, this was a close one a couple weeks ago, division game. 14 and a half, that's a lot. Raiders coming off a big win. I think that they keep this one a little bit closer. I could be wrong. I could be stretching this one, and I have a weird feeling. I wouldn't bet this game at 14 and a half, but I, I'll i take the— You know what? No, no, no. I'm going to I'm gonna stick to my, to my gut here, and I'm going to take the Chiefs at minus 14 and a half, but I would steer clear of this game. I don't feel too confident on that. And next up, you have the Rams hosting the 49ers. They need to win to secure that two seed. The Rams minus 11. This is another one I'm a little bit leery about. I'll take the... I'm going to take the 49ers plus 11. They usually give the Rams a tough a tough go of it. And then you have the uh, Vikings hosting the Bears. Minnesota is at five, uh, getting five here. All right, something's got to give. I don't know if maybe the Bears are resting their players, and same thing with the Cowboys since they locked up the division leads here. I'm not too sure, but Minnesota at minus five. Um, I guess I'll take that just because the Vikings are playing for their lives. They need to secure that final wild card spot, so I like Minnesota by five here. Next up, you have the Steelers hosting the Bengals. Steelers at minus 16. Wow. They have a couple questionable tags here. Um Antonio Brown is questionable, and so is James Conner. He hasn't played in a couple weeks. I expect both guys to suit up and play, uh, maybe Antonio Brown more so than James Conner, but the Steelers need to win, and they need the Ravens to lose. So Ravens, uh, st- excuse me, Steelers at minus 16, that's a big spread, um, but I do like it because this, the Bengals are not a very good football team, and they've got a bunch of injured players as it is. Okay, next up we have the Seahawks hosting the Cardinals, and the Seahawks are 14-point favorites here. And I have to say, I actually like the Cardinals. Seahawks like to run the ball a lot, a ton, play that time of possession game, so they really don't build big, big leads over teams, although the Cardinals are the worst team in football right now. I'll take them at plus 14. All right, next up we have the Redskins hosting the Eagles. The Eagles are seven and a half 
half point favorites. The Redskins season is over. They were eliminated from playoff contention a week ago, and the Eagles are still fighting. They still have a chance to get in with some help. So they need a victory, and I like them to win this by at least 10. So I, I'll take the Eagles at minus 7.5. And, and then we have the uh, Sunday night game. Uh, excuse me. the Okay, we have two games on Sunday night. Uh, excuse me. We have the final... Uh, Sunday afternoon game. I got crossed up here, excuse me, because there's no Monday night football game this week. That's right. We have the Ravens hosting the Browns, and this one, the Steelers are going to have all eyes on this game as, of course, they need the Browns to lose. But uh, it's Ravens by five and a half, and they know they need to win this game. So I think the Ravens will, in fact, win this game by more than five and a half. I'll take the Ravens by about a touchdown, maybe 10. And then in the nightcap, we have Sunday Night Football, Titans hosting the Colts. This will all depend on Marcus Mariota and whether or not he plays. But right now, the spread is Indianapolis minus three. And even with Mariota, I do still like the Colts. I think they're the better team overall. Titans have been way up and down all season long. So give me the Colts minus three. Okay, that's going to do it for our NFL picks. That does it for our NFL segment. And uh, last but not least, we will get to the uh, we'll get to on this date in sports, and that would be December 28th, 1979, the first ever meeting between Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. The Lakers went on to win this one, 123 to 105. Magic scored 23, and Larry Bird had 16. But here's uh, here's a cool little uh, piece on the on these guys. Here it is. He's a, a very uh, competitive player, and I'm a very competitive player. And uh, we go head to head, and uh, we go for blood almost. You know, it's just we're so competitive. And uh, I just tell him a good game, and I just smile a little bit. <laughs> this game meant a lot to everybody, not just me and, and uh, Magic probably, but uh, you know, this is the first two they had all year, and they wanted to look good in front of the crowd, and they did. So uh, you know, we're just looking for a rematch now. You had two big men who played the game different than they had seen before and that we could uh, dribble, pass, shoot, uh, take it to length of the court ourselves. I enjoyed every time I played against Magic, whether it's regular season or in the playoffs. If you're a competitor, you want to play against the best. No, I always thought he was the best. His will to win and his toughness is what really impressed me as well. Yeah, so there you have that. That was our final segment on this date in sports. And before we wrap things up and and I uh, leave you guys to it. I want to wish everyone a happy new year. I will see you guys in 2019. Last but not least, I want to say that I host, excuse me, I don't host, I produce a very highly rated comedy podcast called The Glorious House of Gains with a Z. This is on every platform you can imagine. And just this week on Christmas Eve, we finally got 
the podcast on Spotify. So that was really big for us. And even bigger news is that show has cracked the top 40. We were ranked as high as number 38. And I'm just getting some text messages now throughout this show that we are now back in the top 50. We're sitting at number 45 currently in the comedy comedy segment, which has to be one of the most competitive categories of podcasting is the comedy uh, segment there. So really cool feat. And um, so if you like this show, head on over to iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast now on Spotify and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a cool five-star rating and a comment. You guys can continue to do the same thing for this week in sports as well, but I thought that's really cool. We could possibly be going places, big places with that show, and it's it's awesome. You know, if you're if you don't know who Robert Frank six one five is, he's a really cool social media personality. He makes skit videos on Instagram. He's that roided out, raging guy, shirtless with the bandana in his car that just rages about different current events and different funny things about the gym. And it's a really good time. It's a really cool podcast where the bros get together and they just BS for about an hour and a half. And yeah, it's really cool. So if you like this show, head on over to that, hit the subscribe button. That show's got about, oh gee, I don't know. What did we just do? Our last episode was episode number 39. So uh, yeah, we're, we're almost... We're almost at the year mark. I think we'll hit that in March. So that was that's really cool. But it's a really funny show. I'm not just saying that because I'm biased and I and I subscribe to it or I produce it rather. Um, but no, it, it really is funny. It's we're we're gonna start to get some some actual big time. We've had some guests in the past, but we're gonna get some more. We're gonna actually start lining up the guests in the new year. And uh, there's big things to come for the Glorious House of Gains podcast in the future. So I hope you guys can go on over there and subscribe to that. We're officially in the top 50, hit as high as number 38. Hopefully we can keep climbing now that we're on Spotify. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to leave you there. I'm done rambling. I hope everybody enjoys these two college football playoff games tomorrow. I know I will be watching them as well. Um, I hope that we get we get some good contests, none of these blowouts, although I think that Clemson and Alabama are going to win, but you never know. Notre Dame might give them a a tough fight. But anyway, okay, I will leave you guys to it. Again, Happy New Year. I wish everyone a happy, healthy 2019. I will see you on the flip side, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. What's up? It's one-handed and caught. That was a good win, huh? The Hail Mary from Cousin. In a crowd, the 6-6 Rudolph. School basketball. And how about that pass from Landry? 63 yards to Perryman. You better stop doing that or I'm going to lose my spot. Yeah, we didn't have our best day in the past game, but we won, so. Balls out. Jalen Smith on the return. I see a lot of green. Uh, I had to go get it. Dallas wins the NFC East. He's always open, you know, which all great receivers are. They're always open. Freeze looking to throw. That's going to be a touchdown for the Saints. We won the NFC South, and now we got home for the fans. Share the crystal ball, Kiefer. Caught. Touchdown. Rodgers. I'm off. CJ Anderson breaking tackles inside the 20. And Nick just uh, he's got some uh, Christmas magic, man. St. Nick. Foles <laughs> delivers. Deep one. One-on-one. It's caught.
Christmas.